to be a church on the move like we read about in the New Testament, to be a church that turns our world upside down with the glory or for the glory of Christ, with the good news of Christ, it's going to involve us as made disciples, being consumed with knowing Christ, moving out, living Christ, making Christ known. And I believe we as living church, and I believe the church, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, I believe we can be that church. I believe we can. And as we shared last week, we have everything that the first century church had. We go with the same authority. We possess the same promises of Christ. We have the same power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same power of the gospel. We have the same mission. We have everything the same. It's simply our turn. It's simply our move. And so it begins with us, made disciples, moving out, but that's just the beginning. There's more moves that we need to make in order to be this church on the move, and we find these moves, more of these moves in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Follow along as I read. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see in verse 18, Jesus says, you're going with my authority. You're going with my power. In verse 20, he says, you're going with my presence. And in between, sandwiched in between that is the mission for you as made disciples consumed with Christ. This is our mission. And so Matthew tells us, here's made disciples. This is verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. When they saw him, these are, these are men who have spent three years with Jesus. They've eaten with Jesus. They've listened to Jesus. They've spoken with Jesus. They've asked him questions. They've heard him speak and teach. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen him calm the seas. They've seen him bring the dead back to life. They've seen him die, and now they see him alive. These are made disciples who have been consumed with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, okay, you've been with me, and just as I moved out of heaven into your world to make you my disciples, now I'm telling you, you go, you as made disciples move out, and when you move out, here's what you're supposed to do. Therefore, go. You're to move. You're to move. Go. Move. Well, what are we supposed to be doing as we're moving out as made disciples? Making new disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing, making new disciples. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Point people to Jesus Christ. And as we do through the Spirit, they will receive Christ. Some of those that were living Christ and making Christ known to you, they're going to receive Christ, and then they're going to declare Christ by baptism, and then we're going to follow along with them, and they're going to follow along with us, and they're going to learn to walk in obedience with Christ. We, as made disciples moving out, our mission is to make new disciples. And that's what we see in the first century church. Let me show you some more examples. Go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, some examples of the first century church made disciples, moving out, making new disciples. Acts chapter 6. Here's an example of a made disciple moving out, 
making new disciples. His name is Philip. Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 6, excuse me, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal, verse 5, pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip. So here the disciples are gathering together, all right? They have an awesome opportunity in front of them. And one of those disciples, his name is Philip. So here we have a made disciple. Now go with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and 5. Actually, back up to verse, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Go down to verse 4. Those who had been scattered. Now keep in mind, the apostles, they're still in Jerusalem. Philip's just an average Joe like you and me. All right, he's just an average guy like you and me. I mean, he's, he's one of the church leaders, yes, but he's not one of the 12 And so Philip is moving out, and this is what we see. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip moves out. He went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. So here you have Philip, who's a made disciple, and what's he doing? He's moving out, moving out to a city and area called Samaria. Go look at verse 12 of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 12, or Acts chapter 8, verse 12, excuse me. But when they believed Philip... So Philip goes down to Samaria, and it says, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom. So here you have a made disciple, Philip. He moves out to Samaria. What's he doing? He's living Christ, making Christ known. He's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He preaches the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women. What do you have? Now you have new disciples. An example of a made disciple moving out and making new disciples is Philip. Another example, Acts chapter 13 Maybe you've heard of these guys before, Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So here you have in the church made disciples, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul. So here you have made disciples. And then verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Paul and sent them off. Verse 4, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Again, what do you have? You have made disciples moving out. They're moving out. And then over in Acts chapter 14, what are they doing as they're moving out? Acts chapter 14, verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Again, first century church. The pattern of the first century church, a church that's turning its world upside down, is a pattern of made disciples moving out, making new disciples. Another example, Acts chapter 18. 
What we're kind of doing this morning is doing a survey, if you will, rather than looking at just one particular passage. It's we need to understand this church on the move and get an idea. How did they move? And that's what we're doing. We're seeing examples of the first century church made disciples, moving out, living Christ, making Christ known, making new disciples. Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, again, here's Priscilla and Aquila, just tent makers, nine to fivers. This is what they do. They get up in the morning, they do their work, they come home, but they're still living the mission. They're still out there as made disciples moving out. He stayed and worked with them. And Paul says, it says in verse 4, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Go to look at verses 18 and 19 of chapter 18. So what you have is Priscilla and Aquila. They're from Italy. They move into Corinth. They're hanging out with Paul. They become made disciples in Corinth. And then they move out, verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So Priscilla and Aquila, they meet Paul. They come to know Christ. And Paul says, hey, I'm moving out. Why don't you guys go with me? I'm in. So they take off. They go with Paul. And they're taking off, and they're moving out. And what are they doing? What are they doing? Verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. And he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So get the picture, Priscilla and Aquila, they come to know Christ, made disciples, they're moving out with Paul. Romans chapter 16, go there. So he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. He leaves them in Ephesus. Romans chapter 16, verse 3. He writes this letter and he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also what? The church that meets in their house. So here you have made disciples moving out, making new disciples, and they've got them in their home. This is the pattern. These are the moves of a church on the move. These are the moves that you and I need to make as the church to see our world turned upside down with the glory of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, okay, that's first century. Let me give you a modern-day example. Nearly 45 years ago, a young couple with four kids were pastoring a church, if I get this story right. And they just sensed as made disciples, I believe both of them came to know Christ later in life. And they were pastoring a church, and they're actually from Virginia. And as they began to, as made disciples, be consumed with Christ since God's call upon their life to move out to a country they'd never been to, to a language they didn't know, to a people they'd never met before. And so they upped and took four of their kids. They have five now. The youngest is my wife. And they went and they took their four kids to the country of Brazil. And they lived there for going back and forth, raising funds, different things, but ultimately they were in Brazil for 40 years. Made disciples, moving out, making new disciples. That's what this is about. Can we have a heart-to-heart real quick? Can I ask us some honest questions? 
Because these are some questions that I was asking myself this week. So much so that I sat in my bedroom broken Thursday morning. Because I asked myself, I said, okay, Mark, if you're, this is to be about new disciples, where are yours? Where are they? Now, I get that Scripture tells us that, you know, some plant the seed, some water the seed, and some harvest it. I understand that. But I've got to think that I've known Christ for a long time. I've been a made disciple for a while now, and I've got to think that if I'm planting enough seeds and I'm watering enough seeds, at some point, I'd see a harvest. At some point, I would see a harvest. And so I confessed in my room on Thursday morning, and I was broken. And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. And so I want to ask you, as I ask myself that question, Where are, in your life, the new disciples of Jesus Christ? See, we don't like to ask those questions because I think we're afraid of the answer. But they're questions we've got to be asking. We've got to be asking, this is what we're about. This is what we as a church on the move have got to be about. We've got to be about moving out, making new disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I don't want you to hear that as a condemnation on the church, but rather a needed conviction for the church. Okay? I'm with you in this. I struggle alongside of you. All the questions, all the fears, what will people think? But do we really, is Jesus enough for us? Do we truly believe he is the hope for the world? He is. He is, and we have got to get his name out. Living Christ, making Christ known. So let me ask you, are you making disciples? Are there people in your life that you say, man, they've been on my heart for so long, and you've been praying for them, keep praying for them. Are you initiating opportunities with them to talk to them about Jesus? Some of us, you work in environments where you're surrounded by people who need the hope of Jesus, Pray for them regularly. Pray for an opportunity. As Paul said, Colossians 4, I pray that I may proclaim the gospel clearly when the opportunity comes. Initiate opportunities. Let me give you an example, okay? I'm I'm a wuss when it comes to this stuff. I just am. I've got to do, I've got to get myself to, I've got to be intentional. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I've got a couple books at home, okay? And here's how I would think. I've got a couple extra books. I'm not really giving the book, my book away. Nice. Okay, so I'm just confessing to you. I'm sure you don't even think that way ever. But so I've got a couple extra books, Purpose Driven Life, right? Why not? Sounds pretty good. So a couple of us were having lunch at Panera a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, okay, i got to do something. i got to at least get my body to move, and I'll give this book out to somebody. Initiate an opportunity. So I grabbed the Purpose Driven Life book and had a little living church card, right? So I put that in the book. And, you know... Um, I've been praying all morning, saying, God, who do you want me to show this to or give this book to or whatever? And so um, we're sitting there, and we're done with lunch, and I'm like, okay, who do I give this book to, right? I don't know, you know, kind of looking around, that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I just went up to the girl that worked at Panera, and I said, here you go. Here's a book. I hope you read it. <laughs> you know, that was it. 
That was it. Now, I hope and I trust the Holy Spirit that he can take my imperfections and all of that and somehow truth will come through that in some way. Okay, I'm, I just share that with you. Say, I'm, I'm in it with you. Okay, I'm, but if all I do is stand up here and talk to you and talk to me and say, we got to do this, and we're just like, I ain't moving. I ain't doing that. I'm too scared. Listen, people's lives are dependent upon us as the church. Their eternities are dependent upon us telling them about Jesus because Jesus has given us this message to communicate. And I am praying that every day God would give me, just this year alone, one new disciple of his. That's all I'm praying for. I'm praying every day, God, give me the opportunity to make one new disciple, a person who receives Christ, is baptized, declaring Christ, and is learning to walk in obedience with Christ. That's my prayer. Would you pray that? Pray that for me. And I'll pray that for you. Imagine, maybe there's 80 people in this room. Imagine if each one of us as a made disciple just committed to make one new disciple this year. One, we'd have 80 people, new people, this time next year, who've, whose lives are transformed because of Jesus, whose families could be transformed, which leads into workplaces, which leads into communities and cities. All it takes is one. And that's why you have the card, the move to make one card. I need a reminder. I got to wake up and see something every day. My memory's horrible. And so I want you to put that card someplace every morning where you can see it. And just as you, as someone was telling me at lunch, a good friend of mine, Dave, he said we were just kind of throwing this idea out to people. He said, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, in order to move to see what's on the other side of the card, you have to move the, move the card. I said, that's great. So let's do this. So what this card is simply, it's just a reminder for you and for me that we need to make moves in order to make one disciple this year. And that move means prayer. That move means initiating opportunities. That move means saying, talking about Jesus with people. So I want to challenge you as I'm challenging myself this year to move to make one. And if you're here and maybe you're, you're like, man, you, you know, you're not part of the church, not living church, but you don't really know Jesus. This can, I understand this can come across to you like, dude, what are we? You know, kind of, I just want you to hear me. If you're here without Christ, the reason why we're all about seeing you come to Christ is because we believe you were created for Christ. That's why we're all about him. And you have a longing in your heart this morning. And then until you receive Christ and become his disciple and be set free from your sin and the guilt through the forgiveness that's through Jesus Christ, that longing will never, ever be satisfied. That's what we're talking about this morning. So if you're here without Jesus, hear me. Receive Jesus this morning. And he'll set you free from your sin. He'll come into your life, make you a new heart. And you'll have the promise of being with him forever. I just want you to hear that this morning. If you're a made disciple already, can we commit together this year to move to make one? Can we? I think we can. I think we should. Becoming a church on the move means we're going to do that. It means we're, as made disciples, going to move out making new disciples. But then there's more. These made and new disciples, they form multiplying church communities. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So here you have Matthew 28. 
Jesus says, here's your mission. I want you to go. I want you to move out. I want you to make new disciples. And he says, where do I want you to go? I want you to go to Jerusalem. So that's where we find these guys. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. So here we have made disciples going to a city called Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 14. One of these disciples, his name is Peter. Peter stands up, lives Christ, makes Christ known, communicates, proclaims the gospel. Right? He proclaims the gospel to these people in Jerusalem. And in verse 36, this is what he says in Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Go down to verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this cup corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their numbers. So here we have made disciples, moving out, making new disciples. We've got it going on in Jerusalem. It doesn't stop there. Verse 42, these new and made disciples devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what you have, here's the process, here's the pattern. You have made disciples, moving out, making new disciples. And then what do they do? They gather together. They're forming a church community. And that's what we see happening in Jerusalem. But they're not just satisfied with their own. Not just satisfied with being one church community. They, they, see, they realize, wait, we've got a message that we need to keep communicating out. So, so here we have it starting in Jerusalem, but it, but it doesn't stop there. Go with me to Acts chapter 11. So here you have made disciples and new disciples in Jerusalem, forming the Jerusalem church community. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. So here you have some of these made a new disciples in Jerusalem spread out. They're moving out, and some of them come to a city called Antioch. Look at verses 22 through 26 of Acts 11. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So what do you have? Here you have persecuted believers, persecuted disciples, made disciples from Jerusalem, moving out from the church community of Jerusalem, moving out to Antioch. Barnabas, other persecuted believers, they come to Antioch. New disciples are made. They form the church in Antioch. Acts 13.1 says, in the church at Antioch. So you see in this? So Jerusalem was like, it wasn't us four and no more. It was us four and a lot more. All right? It was, let's go. 
And so you have the believers from Jerusalem. They move out. They come to Antioch. And now they're forming a new church community in Antioch, right? And then Acts chapter 13, 2 through 5. You've heard of Barnabas and Paul already? Well, out of Barnabas and Paul, eventually we get Paul and Silas. Actually, go to Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. Sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Ultimately, to cut the time short here, Paul and Barnabas have a little disagreement. God divides to multiply. Barnabas takes John Mark. They go out, make new disciples. Paul gets Silas. They go out, make new disciples. And so from the church at Antioch, you get churches like Corinth. And so Paul writes his letters. How does he address his letters? To the church in Corinth, to the churches in Galatia. And so what we have here, the moves of the first century church involved made disciples, moving out, making new disciples, forming multiplying church communities. That's the pattern we see of a church that's on the move. And so we use kind of this tree logo that we have, and I don't know if we can put it on the screen, but you see seeds kind of, or leaves releasing from the tree, and then you'll see new trees starting to plant up, um, kind, of, kind of rise up. That's the whole point. The point is we're not just a church for us. We're a church because we believe that God has people who, who need him, need Christ all throughout our city, all throughout our world. And so we're not just about living church. We want to be about the church. And we want to see Mount Auburn flourish, and it's flourishing. We see Taylor Mill living community. And from Taylor Mill living community, we've seen Anderson and Cherry Grove. It's happening. God's doing this thing. He's doing it. We're seeing people moving to make one, and so I just want to encourage us to do the same. Becoming a church on the move involves those of us who are made disciples, moving out, making new disciples, forming, multiplying church communities. That's what church is all about. Not for us, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. For the glory of Jesus Christ. To be the church God desires, what you hold in your hands, that's it. And the result of all this is what? the greatest movement to ever hit planet Earth, a movement called church that you and I right here this morning get to be a part of. (laughs) That's grace. It's God's grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. God said, I love you through his spirit. We responded to him, and we get to be part of this incredible movement. And we don't go out because it's all on us. And we go out because we've been rescued. And the love of Christ is what propels us to communicate Christ to the world. And so I want you to grab your red card, the move to make one card. All right? And I want you to stand. And I'm going to ask my father-in-law, Russell Gordon, who I shared with you their story earlier. I asked him, and I want him to come, and I want him to pray over us as a church. I want him, a modern-day example, if you will, of what it looks like to be a made disciple, moving out, making new disciples. I don't know how many churches you planted in Brazil, but multiple, Correct? And I'm going to ask him to come. And he, he'd be as humble as they are. But I said, Dad, would you just kind of come and would you pray over us as a church? That God would make us a church that makes disciples.